come in those doors. That, 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 that's who we're doing this for, to be able to allow them to be a part and, and share what we get to watch God do here. And um, I don't know when you came in and part of the journey, but we're glad God brought you here. And what I would say is jump in with both feet, um, hang on for the ride. Uh, if you think it's a typical church, you'll find out very quickly it's not. Uh, but uh, we love what God's doing. And, and, you know, even during this pandemic thing, uh, we have been able to watch God at work and God do some really incredible, neat things through all of this. So, uh, you know, I, there's no other way to say it than, than God has done abundantly above anything any of us could ask or think or dream about. Now, I went through the videos, I realized our lobby and bathrooms are bigger than our old church. I mean, that's, that's to put it in perspective for you. Um, you know, it, because, you know, and we were talking about, it, you know, you don't realize, you know, it was... It would flood, and we had mildew in the basement, and you'd come in on Sunday, and there'd be a little sign on the door that said, no restrooms today. Uh, so you go, okay, I'm going to drink a lot of coffee today. Um, you know, we, and we just, but we knew God was doing something, and we knew God wanted to continue to do stuff, and that's been uh, what we have watched all the way a part of it. So wherever you came in in that journey of the last 30 years, we're glad God brought you here. And um, we want you to feel uh, part of this. And um, there are a lot of stories, you know. Um, a lot of those pictures I could actually put stories to uh, with some of those pictures that, uh, that we have. And, and, you know, you can ask about some of those because there are some great stories behind some of those. But uh, anyway, um, this week we are celebrating Thanksgiving, we this morning are kind of looking back and celebrating what God's done. And uh, as you know, this year is going to be a different kind of Thanksgiving for many people. Um, you know, even myself, I'm sitting here going, man, do I do Black Friday? I mean, I've done Black Friday every, you know, and I just don't know what I'm going to do now. Uh, and, and so, you know, everything's different. Everything's uh, unique with all of it. And for some of you, holidays are difficult anyway. Uh, they're hard. And you add to it what we're going through now, it becomes harder. And so we find ourselves really somewhat faced, as we have been for all of this year, in a crisis. And the question I want to ask this morning is, how do you handle a crisis? How do you handle a pandemic? How do you handle a, a, a health deal that comes up? How do you, what, what do you do? How do you go forward? How do you handle those kinds of things? What's interesting is we've been able to see the hand of God in some of this stuff. And uh, back when this whole pandemic thing started in March, we were halfway through a series that we had started as a church uh, entitled Being Anxious for Nothing. And we had actually were in the process of studying how do we handle worry and being anxious and, and unforeseen things. And we're in the middle of doing that as a church, and then this thing hit. And it couldn't be more timely for where, what was happening in the world. And, and so we actually were fortunate in that we, had, we were able to have a little preparation ahead of time to know what to, to, to have some, some groundwork in our lives to be able to go through it. But during that series, one of the things that we looked at is we looked at a passage of John chapter 6. And I want to go back to it this morning. 
But I'm going to take a different spin on it than what we did in, in that because I want to focus on one aspect of it uh, that is uh, unique. And uh, at this time, Jesus had been ministering about two years. So his disciples had been with him a lot. Uh, they had seen a lot. They had watched a lot. And uh, John chapter 6, it's, a, it's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, it's a unique story because it's one of the only stories in, it's, it's the only miracle that is mentioned in all four Gospels. So it's unique in that it, it, all four of them talk about it. It's that important. So this morning I want to go to John chapter 6 and let me read, uh, let's read this story and then we'll, we'll talk about where we are with it all. So uh, John chapter 6, it says, when Jesus looked up, and saw a great crowd coming towards him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Um, hang on just a second. Hey guys, do we have a problem back there? Okay, Cooper, Cooper. Hey Cooper, at least get the video part of it and we can upload it later. Okay, are we doing that? Okay, awesome, all right, okay. I just didn't see the camera move, so I get nervous. All right, so here we go. Uh, John chapter 6, so here we go. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these people may eat? He asked this, talking about Jesus, only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So Philip answered him and said, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to even have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down, about 5,000 men who were there. And this, this is where we're going to park this morning, so I'm going to read this and then we're going to keep going, but I'm going to come back to this. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely, this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When you go on to John chapter 6 and you go further in the story, it's the story of Jesus walking on the water. And then there's a very interesting little section in verse 23 where it says, And, and when the boats came ashore, they came ashore to this place and everybody remembered the story. I want to focus this morning on the middle part of it where it says, and Jesus gave thanks. And we want to talk about that for a second because we want to put that into context of what we're, what we're dealing with right now, both as a nation and, and, and as a world. When you look at this story, here's what happened. Jesus starts by asking a question. And he asks that question for a reason. And Jesus' question is, where can we go buy food, guys? Now, the disciples look at Jesus like, what are you talking about? And they start to automatically address different issues. 
the first issue that, that, that's happening is Jesus is testing them. He wants them to, to think differently than they normally think. And so by throwing this out there, by coming out there, he said he wants to know how they're going to respond and what they're going to do because, again, he's going to be gone in about a year and a half. So he's got to teach them to turn to him first, and they don't do that. The first thing that they do is they start looking at the idea of, we don't have enough money to solve this problem. Um, right off the bat, when he comes to him, Philip says, look, even if we had enough money, first of all, if, if, let me give you a modern day analogy. If the meal was a dollar a piece, $5,000 to feed these people wouldn't even give enough people one bite of food, the men, because it's 5,000 men. There's also women and children here, too because there's a little boy there with five loaves and, and two fishes, and he's not counted among men. So we have children and women there, too, but we have 5,000 men, um, and he says, we don't even have enough to feed them. If, if we could go and, 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 and raid Sam's club, there's not enough food there. That's what he's saying. Um, and then, uh, then as, after once he gets past that, then Andrew comes up, and he says, look... I mean, I give Andrew credit, because Andrew at least is thinking a little bit different. Andrew comes up and goes, you know what, Jesus, we don't have enough to feed everybody, but here's what we do have. We have this little boy's lunch. He's got five loaves and two fishes. Now, that basically comes down to, in modern-day analogy, two sardines and, and five little silver-dollar pancakes. That's basically what it was. He said, that's what we've got. Now, I can't believe that among 5,000 men, there's not snacks. Okay, but... Apparently, there was. Apparently, that's the story. This is the only kid, the only person who's willing to give something up. And he says, this is, this is what we have. And then, then he goes on and he says, but you know what? It's not enough to take care of the need. It's not enough. There's, not, there's just not enough here. This is all. Now, here's a question. What are they forgetting? They're looking at what they have. It's not enough. They're looking at what they don't have. There's, 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 we don't have enough money, even if we could. And then if we had enough money, we don't have a place to go buy it all. What are they forgetting? What? Yeah, Jesus is right there. Jesus is right there. At no point in this thing do they step back and go, um, your problem. Here's what I think is fascinating. Jesus is the one who notices the need. It doesn't say the disciples noticed that everybody was hungry. It was Jesus who noticed that everybody needed to be fed. Jesus knows your needs before you do. And Jesus is looking at it going, hey, guys, we've got to take care of the food part of this problem. How are we going to do that, guys? And the, the, the right answer was, we're not Jesus, you are. Tell us what you're going to do. That was the right answer. But the disciples and their spiritual growth weren't there yet. So the disciples go, well, let's see, uh, we don't have enough money, so we can't, and if we did have enough money, there's not a big enough store around, so that's out. And then, you know what, uh, here's what we do have, but it's not enough. Instead of going, hey, Jesus, this is what we've got, do your thing. They look at it and go, this is all we got, it's not enough. And they try to solve it within themselves, forgetting the fact that Jesus is right there. He's right there. He's the one they need, because he's trying to teach these guys, you need to go to me first. 
Same thing when he comes walking on the water. You're going to see that. He, he keeps trying to teach these guys these principles. So one of the things that happens is when he looks at them and he goes, okay, they're forgetting the fact that Jesus Christ is right there. So notice what happens. When they present this to Jesus, Jesus says what? Get everybody seated. Bring me what we've got. They bring him five loaves and two fishes. And this is what you miss in the story. What does Jesus do next? He gives thanks. Now stop for a minute. There's 5,000 men plus women plus children. You've got five pancake-sized pieces of bread. And you're going to sit there and thank God for that? It's not enough. But what does Jesus do first? He gives thanks. Then he takes those five loaves, those five things, and says, pass them out. And I don't know how this worked. But every time they gave one away, there was more, and there was more, and there was more, and there was more. I don't know how, it, I don't know how you end up the story when, when it's all said, you passed it all out, and then he says, go gather up whatever's left, and you got 12 basketfuls of stuff now. I don't know if that's so each disciple got one to take with him on the trip. I don't, I don't know what the, what the but the, the idea is this. He keeps passing out, and then it says he does the same thing with the fish. But here's what I want you to understand. The first thing that Jesus does, he gives thanks. He gives thanks. Over five loaves and two fishes, he gives thanks. It wasn't enough. But it was because Jesus is involved in it. And it lays out for us an incredible principle. When we get ready to go, communion, go to communion this morning, we're going to talk about this idea. And you're going to be able to see the idea that even in communion, what does Jesus do before he breaks bread? He gives thanks. There's this idea of thanksgiving. He's trying to get the disciples to understand this whole concept behind it. That, look, if God is in it, he will take care of it. But you have to be grateful and you have to have an attitude of, of gratitude for that which you have. You go, well, it's not enough. I want more. No, no, no. You have to be grateful for that which you have. Look, many of you, many of us are facing a crisis of some kind. It's just a part of life. Life is not about escaping crises. Every one of us is going to go through struggles. Every one of us is going to. You go back on the history of 30 years here, and we have been able to watch God over and over and over do incredible things. Um, I, I, you know, and in this story, you know, one of the things is there's not enough money. Um, let's go back 30 years. When they started this church, this is before I got here. When they started this church, one of the things that happened is they had to decide what they were going to do about money. And one of the issues that came up was this. One of the things that they had against most churches was everybody was always asking for money. Everybody wanted your money. Everybody was sending you letters, asking you for money, about this project, that project. And they said, let's do this without asking for money. Let's just put a box in the back, and let's just trust God that he's going to take care of this place. There's actually a guy who told him, he said, it'll be shut down within a... How long, how long did he say? How long did he say? Won't last a month. Won't last a month. 
Yeah, won't last a month. Um, it was awesome. He was proven wrong, and he loved this place with all of his heart. But um, uh, and was here until the day God took him home. But anyway, um, you know, he said, "Won't last a month." I, I can think of five specific instances where we made decisions, big money decisions, and we did not have the money to do it when we made the decision. But we were convinced that God wanted us to do it. And so, and two, basically, here's what they were. The two times that we built, okay, there was not enough money to build. But we said a couple of things. Number one, we're going to trust God because we know this is what God wants us to do. We're not going to go into debt. So if we can't pay for it, we won't do it. And three, we are not going to ask anybody for money. We're not going to send out a fundraising letter. We're not going to corner people. We're not going to ask for private stuff. We're just going to let God take care of it. Both buildings were built debt-free. We were actually praying for God to stop sending in money so we could rest. Because we'd come up, I remember one meeting, when we were building that building, I remember one meeting where what happened was uh, we actually had started, we actually had spent the last, chunk of money that we had and then we're in a board meeting we're going okay guys so we're just going to take a break here for about a month or so and, and until we get the the thing and and, and whoever's treasurer at that time he goes uh guys we got a problem he said the bank called me this morning somebody stopped by and put three thousand dollars in so i guess we're buying trim uh and so we would go to the next thing that we did and we watched god do it when we make when we did mission trips and one of our big things was we weren't going to have people send out, ask for money for mission trips or do big mission trips or bake sales and all that kind of thing. But it, we believed that if God wanted a person to go, that, that God would provide the way. And as a church, we were committed to making sure that they could go. So on all three mission trips, we were making commitments of about thirty to $40,000. And our bank account had probably six in it. And in every time we watched God provide over and over and over and over again. Um, and, and it's just been amazing to watch how God has provided because we've, we've basically looked at it and said, look, we're going to go to people and ask them to trust God and to depend on God. We have to set the example too. And so we have watched God do that over and over and over again. And, and what I would say to you is, look, God said, Jesus is standing there going, okay, the people need to be fed. And the disciples are going, there's not enough money, not enough money. We can't do that, we can't. And she's saying, yeah, we can yeah, we can. Hey, here's what we've got. Jesus said, fine, let's thank God for what we've got and let's go forward. And they watched God, Jesus, God, provide in an incredible way in that story. Um, here's my challenge to you this week. Are you going to focus this week on what you could do, what you have, what you don't have? Are you going to focus on, on Christ through the whole thing? Whatever crisis you're in, whatever need you have, it's not taken him by surprise. He knows about it. In fact, he knew about it before you knew about it. So why not turn to him? Why not trust him? You know, it's just too big a thing. This health thing is too big a thing for me. Trust him. This financial thing is too big. You don't understand where the, the, how, how fragile my job. Trust him. Trust him. Um, and, and I think as we head into it, I think that's the great lesson here. In John chapter 6, is that we have to stop, and the, the, the first step, the first step in a crisis is this. 
stop and thank God for what you've got. You go, well, you don't understand. This holiday is going to be so hard because I don't get to do this and we've always done this. And we Stop. Ask yourself, what do I have to be thankful for? In the middle of this crisis, Jesus doesn't focus on the need to feed everybody. doesn't focus on it. He focuses on the fact that, thank you, God, you have provided two loaves and five, or two, two fish and five loaves. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's go forward. He starts with that. Um, and I want to challenge you this week because it's so easy to get all wrapped up in how different this year is and what's wrong with this year and, and how hard this year is. And it's so easy to focus on that stuff. Don't. Focus on what God has given you that you have in front of you to be grateful for. As I was working on this message, I, Friday night I went to turn on the news and watch the local news. And before CBS had this little clip. And I thought, that's it. So I went online and I pulled it off. I don't want to play it for you this morning. It's two and a half minutes. But it says everything I want to say and says it in a way that I think will, will resonate with you. So um, listen to it as it goes. As we head into a very different Thanksgiving next week, it's easy to forget the many blessings we have. CBS's Steve Hartman went on the road to remind us. With the pandemic raging, schools closed, and our democracy in limbo, a holiday about gratitude may feel a little off. What can we possibly be thankful for in 2020? When I posed that question to my kids, uh, I got crickets. Well, instead of saying what we're thankful for, we could say what was hard for us. We definitely could. But before giving up on Thanksgiving completely, I had a hunch that hope for this holiday might lie here, at People's Place, a thrift store and food pantry in Kingston, New York. Like most food pantries in America, People's Place has seen a huge increase in need. Right now, I'm definitely struggling. I lost my job. It's been rough for everybody, you know. And yet, if you ask folks here if they have anything to be grateful for this Thanksgiving, you'll get a surprising wealth of words. I'm grateful. Be alive and breathing on your own is the best. My arms work, my legs work, I can walk. I'm not living out on the streets, I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful that we still have what we have. I'm grateful for being alive. This is Gabriel, like the angel. Wouldn't give me a last name, just a revelation. Pay close attention to what this guy has to say and how he's going to spend his Thanksgiving. I'm going to have an amazing Thanksgiving all by myself. I will sit on the park bench and I will think about the great Thanksgivings that I've had in my life and be thankful for them. One bad Thanksgiving out of 63 amazing Thanksgivings, that's pretty good odds. Maybe we should be a little more thankful for what we do have than constantly be complaining about what we don't have. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's yeah. right. I think he's really right. Some people have lost so much, yet so many I spoke to kept at least an attitude of gratitude, as if thankfulness was sustenance. If these people just found something to be thankful for, I mean, it seems like there's no way not to. 
Revelation received. Mm -hmm. Steve Hartman, on the road in Kingston, New York. I think that pretty much sums it up. He's not going to be with family. He's going to be sitting on a park bench because he didn't have a home. Grateful for all of the great Thanksgivings that he's had. I was in college. Uh, there was a statement by Dr. Bob Jones Sr. Who, that always stuck with me, and here's, here, here was the quote. He said, when, attitude, or when gratitude dies uh, on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh hopeless. There's a lot to be said for that. Will this year be different? Yes. Is there a lot to be grateful for? You bet. Jesus with five loaves and two fishes, starts by giving thanks. So this week, in a world that is faced with hardship and crisis, it's important to focus on a heart of gratitude. We can't focus on our own ability or our resources. We have to focus on Jesus and be grateful for all that he has already provided. This week, cultivate a heart of gratitude in spite of any circumstance or any crisis you face. Let's pray. Lord, we truly have been given much. Lord, I, I genuinely believe that there's not a reason to feel guilty for whatever reason, Lord, you have blessed us. But Lord, please don't let us develop hearts of stinginess and hearts that, Lord, uh, become hard and callous to your goodness. Lord, may we all stop and realize just how good you have been to us. And Lord, as we head into this season, as we go into Thursday, when we celebrate that which we have to be grateful for, may this entire week be a week in which you change the way we see our world. And may we be grateful, Lord, for all of the wonderful things that you have given, you have provided, you have done. And uh, may people be able to notice that in the way that we live our lives. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together, and uh, we are going to sing as the deer. Let's stand together as we sing. seated. We're going to let
folks who are watching online to join us with communion this morning. So usually on those Sundays, I'll do communion uh, just because people are a little more nervous about. They're nervous enough being up here, much less putting them online. So uh, we're not going to do that to people. So uh, for those of you who are here, if you uh, want to join with us this morning, there's a communion cup somewhere close to you. Uh, it's got a peel back little thing. And if you push it down first, then the cellophane peels off and then the uh, foil peels back for the juice. I always try to shake it first because they sit during the week. So, um, But anyway, I, I want to share with you the passage from, from uh, uh, Corinthians. And I just want to focus on one thing this morning. And I touched on a little bit in the message. And it talks about the Lord the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. You need to understand that what he was doing, uh, the, the, the implications of this, uh, you can take so deep. What was he giving thanks for? Uh, by the way, some people say that the story of the fish and the loaves is actually a precursor to the communion story where Jesus has the two elements. I, I, you know, I, you can take that as far as you want, but... Um, I don't necessarily know that that's true. But what is true here is that in both stories, he starts by giving thanks. But in this story, he's giving thanks for the bread. What does a bread represent? His body, which is going to be what? Broken for us. He actually, in this story, gives thanks for what he's about to endure. where he's actually teaching the disciples, I'm doing this as an example. I want you to be grateful for what I'm about ready to do for you, knowing what that entails. It would have been so much easier to skip this part and just say, and he break bread and, and, and passed out the juice or, or passed a pitcher around. But it says the first thing that he does is he gives thanks. You know what we do this morning? We give thanks for his body, which was broken for us, for his blood, which was shed. Because it is the only thing that we have that guarantees us salvation in Christ when we put our faith and trust in him. And he did it for you and for me. If you're a Christian this morning, you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we encourage you to join with us. As we take this as a reminder and as a, if you will, a thanksgiving offering, so to speak, to say, Lord, I, I didn't deserve this. I could not have earned this, but thank you. Help me to live that way this week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Uh, sometimes, Lord, this can become routine. But more importantly, Lord, this is something that we do to remind ourselves of what you've done. Help us to live accordingly. And Lord, this morning, we just give you all of the praise, all of the thanksgiving, all the glory for what you have done and being willing to go to the cross for us. And uh, help us to live differently this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen.
Well, for those of you that are here, thanks for coming. Um, for those of you that are online, I don't know what happened. We'll get it all figured out and get it posted if we ended up with a problem. Have a great week. More importantly, have a grateful week. Lord bless you. We'll see you when we see you, all right? Thank you.